Good morning, Megan. Welcome back. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Although I'm on summer break, so every day feels like a Friday. And I'm unemployed, so every day feels like a Friday. <laughs> Woo! Lives over here. Yes. So we are talking about ones this week, and I know I say this every time, but I love ones. Um, partial one winger over here. And I want to hear all about them. I know our listeners do. So let's do it. Who are ones? What should we expect? Okay. So the ones are called the perfectionist. Um, I'm not a one, but I've heard from other people that are ones. They don't love the name the perfectionist. Um, just because I think it kind of has sometimes a negative connotation to it. Sure. Um, But their basic fear is of being corrupt or being evil or defective. Um, So that is very interesting. And their basic sounds like a Disney villain. (laughs) I know. I know. Um, And the more you like hear about the description of ones, you're like, yeah, it sounds like Disney. Yeah. Um, Their basic desire is to be good, to have integrity, and to be balanced. Um, And their their deadly sin is anger. Um, and that kind of plays out. So they're in the anger triad. So they're in the gut triad, the eights, nines, and ones. They're the kind of the last part of that triad, um, which people always think is interesting because they have a huge desire to be good, but they really struggle with the feeling of anger because in them, the ang- feeling of anger is perceived to be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it can kind of like explode randomly because they're trying to hold it all in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so... Kind of Disney-esque. Very, um, very much so. Yes. Um, and they absolutely love living in a world of black and white. So they have kind of a good versus bad or evil mindset or perfect versus imperfect. Um, and they desire to be good. And like I said, they struggle with per- emotions that perceive that they perceive as bad. So like anger, irritation, sometimes sadness, mm-hmm. all of those things. Um, so they're going to always try and stay towards those positive emotions. Okay. Yeah, I yes, the anger thing resonates with me. But being a two, it's like then I apologize for being angry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's super interesting. Um, and they, my mom's a one, and so I see a lot of this in when I communicate with her. Um, but they have a really high expectation of others and themselves. Um, they believe that they occupy a superior moral, ethical, and spiritual high ground. So they kind of believe like they are the they are the surveyors over everything, like moral. Okay. Um, so they are kind of they're very rules based. They want to follow the rules. Um, they're very scared that if they don't follow the rules, they're going to be seen as imperfect or bad. Um, and then they believe that they have the right answer. And they also have a really tough inner critic. And so um, if they're not nervous that someone else is going to be telling them that they did not do it well, something inside of their head is going to be telling them they didn't do well enough. Oh, yeah. That's tough. So with the inner critic, do other types have an inner critic as well? Or for the one, is it just so loud for them? It kind of drowns out the other ones. So, I mean, other types have an inner critic. We all have a self-conscious um, or a, a conscious, um, but for ones, it is very loud. Gotcha. Um, I know, like with my mom, she like has these whole inner, inner monologues um, that are just like 
always going off of like, you could have done this better. You could have done this better. You could have interacted with this person better, like just constant. Um, so they're terrified of making mistakes and they will turn around and try to pick mistakes that others make as well. Mm. So yeah, in a work environment, if you're in a group project with a one, um, you might like finish something and then they might turn around and like change some stuff on it because they're like, mm, this isn't exactly what it should be. So I think ones are kind of obvious. Maybe that's bad, but I feel like you can tell when you're kind of dealing with a one, at least in a corporate setting, because I I worked with several ones and it's, it is very obvious when you're dealing with one, no pun intended. Yeah. They're, they're pretty obvious. Um, like my mom did not have trouble finding her type. She was very obviously a one. Um, and a lot of the times, like, and we've talked about childhood, childhood trauma before. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very easy to pick apart the ones because it's the way that they grew up is very, like they had a tough critic in their household. And so they now have that in their mind, um, is what I've seen for a lot of the ones I know, um, for some of the other ones I know that isn't obvious to them. Um, but a lot of the ones I know is they have like a very strict parent. Um, and so that's kind of traveled over and that's not the like automatic way. Like that sure. is a common childhood thing for ones. Um, but that's not the automatic way. Like we could have a strict parent and go in a completely different direction, but. Interesting. But I mean, that makes sense. So with them being pretty obvious, what does the unhealthy versus healthy look like with ones? So a healthy one is committed to service and integrity. So they are, um, they are that perfectionist. They're committed to like improving the world. They are able to forgive themselves and others for being imperfect. And they're just constantly striving to make the world a better place. Love it. The average ones are judgy and can naturally spot errors or imperfections in themselves. Um, or others and are consistently comparing um, and they struggle to ins- accept imperfections. Gotcha. Um, they struggle like if something is not completely clean in the household or something's not formatted correctly, they're really going to struggle with that. Um, and then, well, they're really going to struggle as an unhealthy one. They fixate on small imperfections. Mm. Um, they micromanage and they assert control over everything that they can as Oof. an unhealthy one. Yeah. Oof. Okay. Well, good to know. And it's really interesting for unhealthy ones because they have that desire to be perfect. They have that desire to be good. And so as an unhealthy one, they're like, oh, I'm fixing things, so I'm making myself healthier. But they're really not because they're fixated on things to fix. And so it's this weird, like, just catch-22 that they're stuck in if they're really unhealthy. Okay, so twisting it a little. So romantically, like, if if you're dating somebody that constantly wants to fix you, is that kind of similar in a way? Like, they see what could be better in you and they want to change it? I'm not sure if it was specifically a type one, um, definitely could potentially be, I know there's other people that are not type ones that are constantly trying to be fixers in relationships, but that does kind of as like, you're kind of, and that is very similar of like, I'm trying to fix you so that you'll be better and I'll like, I'll understand you better, but can meet those expectations. They're unmet expectations. And it's really like, 
it's causing issues in relationships because you're like, well, why can't you just accept these imperfections? Like I accept your imperfections. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of a spiral effect when you're not able to accept that the world is not perfect. That would be hard, especially with the world we live in right now. <laughs> yes. So, okay. Very interesting. So the question I always ask you, what is it that ones bring to the table that makes them so great? They bring goodness into the world. So they have a huge like desire to perfect the world. And when they're really healthy, they're not trying to make it perfect. They're trying to make it good. Um, and so they're always trying to make the world a better place. Um, and they really, they're really helpful at leading others down the right path. Um, so they have kind of this ability to have just like an objective understanding of what's happening um, and so if you're coming to a one with a conflict or your decision, um, they're, they can objectively look at all sides, kind of like that nine. Um, it's a little bit different for the nine because they take themselves out of their spot um, into other people's shoes. But the ones can kind of see like the decisions that other people make. And so they can help you make a decision. Okay. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love our ones. Yeah, for me as a sometimes one wing, I notice I see it more in like a relationship setting in terms of like, if I see the injustice done against someone that I love, I will go to bat for them. Um, I have done it many times and it's, it's just one of those things where it's kind of cool to learn more about each type and be like, oh, well, that's why I have a trait that's similar to this. And then you can kind of justify it. And I mean, with myself, I don't like to do things if I'm not the best at them, <laughs> which almost goes to the three, almost goes to the one, right? Like you're right in the middle there. But I mean, it's just, it's so funny that we do these things and finally get the Enneagram to clarify why we might do these things and that you're not by yourself. Other people do that too. Yes. It's super helpful. And it's just crazy. Like how much they connect. Um, it's so funny. I love it. Okay. Well, I'm super excited to talk to Hannah today. Um, so let's do this. You ready? Yeah. One more thing. Um, we always kind of mention the stress and health points. So oh, yes, the stress point goes to a type four, um, which is super fun. I'm a type four. My mom's a type one. Um, and so when she's acting unhealthy, she's going to act like me. And when I'm acting healthy, I'm going to act like her, um, which proves some really interesting relational communication. Um, and then when they're feeling, when type ones are feeling really healthy, they go to type seven, which we haven't learned about the sevens yet, but Ooh, is that a weird combination? <laughs> like so weird. Always so funny when people are like, the ones go to the sevens. Like it is so strange because the sevens are like the fun, like, woo, we're going to go do everything we want. Um, and so it's, it's so funny, but it, when ones go to the type seven, it just gives that uh, them ability to relax and do something fun. Um, and so that's where that connection is, but it's not like a lot of times when you have the connection to other types, you're like, okay, that makes sense. Um, but the ones to the sevens is always a little bit confusing. That I love that. That might be my favorite thing thus far. (laughs) Oh, imagine my mom going out and being a seven. (laughs) Yes, actually. Your mom cracks me up. She's so 
funny sometimes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anything else that we want to share about ones before we do this? I think I'm good. All right. Let's talk to Hannah. Let's go. Welcome, Hannah, to P for Podcast. Hi, thank you all so much for having me. We are so happy to have you here. We're both big fans of your content, obviously. Um, thank you. Excited to chat with you today. Um, let's just jump into it. I feel like there's a lot to cover with ones. I love ones, obviously. Um, so tell us your name, what you do, and something you collect. Okay, so my name is Hannah Cohen. I am first and foremost a sixth grade language arts teacher, but I also this past year have started kind of a small side business, um, which stemmed from an Instagram that I made just for fun, just to collect my doodles. But I mostly do content and doodles based on faith and Enneagram. So I love the Enneagram. So I'm excited to be here today. And honestly, I was thinking about what I collect. Honestly, a lot of stuff in my life stresses me out. I don't know if that's like a one thing, but I don't collect a whole lot. But Megan will probably remember this. Back in the day, I collected like all of those teeny bopper magazines. And I had the posters all over my walls. And so that was like one thing in my life that was like a big thing that I collected. So that was back in like the late 2000s. Amazing. And I remember walking over to your house and being so jealous because my mom would not let me have posters on my wall. And I was like, Hannah has them all over her wall. I know. Her wall is. Yes. It was like Jonas Brothers, Miley Cyrus, High School Musical, everywhere. Yes. I rewatched High School Musical the other day. So good. I did too. I rewatched it and then I made a Enneagram post on it. I saw that. It's like, thank God. (laughs) They're so bad. The movies are so bad, but they're so right at the same time. I know. (laughs) That's awesome. Tell us more about your Instagram. What kind of started that idea? Yeah. So I um, was always just fascinated with hand lettering in general. I've always loved it since like middle school And so once I found out that you could hand letter on an iPad, I was mesmerized, honestly. And I watched so many videos of how to do it. And I just had my heart set on it. So I saved up my money to buy an iPad and an Apple Pencil. And it really was just a place to kind of keep all my doodles so I wouldn't annoy like my normal Instagram people, (laughs) like my friends and family. Um, And then it kind of just grew, which is amazing and such a blessing from the Lord. So it's kind of turned into a lot more than what I bargained for, but it's, it's definitely a blessing. So it's really fun. Um, it's just a lot being a teacher and balancing that. I didn't really expect that, but it's awesome. That's so awesome. We love a success story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. Well, do you want to talk about the Enneagram? Let's do it. That's like my favorite thing to talk about. So yes, mine as well, because of Megan which is a trend with these episodes is Megan just brings the Enneagram to everybody. I, I did not bring the Enneagram. To him. We fell in love with the Enneagram separately. That's okay. That's true. 
that that's good though. That just shows Enneagram connects everybody everywhere. <clears throat> okay, so how did you discover that you were a one, Hannah? Okay, so back in I think it was 2018. Um, I, it was the weekend that I was shopping for my wedding dress, which is why I remember this so vividly, but all of my bridesmaids visited me so that we could go pick out my wedding dress together. And a couple of my bridesmaids said, Hey, like, have you taken this personality test called the Enneagram? And I'd never heard of it before. And I honestly didn't know how it was different from Myers-Briggs or even just like a random Buzzfeed quiz about your personality. And so I took it and I kind of took like my results as fact. I was like, oh, this is what I am. And my results said that I was a three. And so for a while, I thought I was a three. And I didn't really do anything with that information. <laughs> I didn't really look more into it. Yeah. But once I started kind of doing more research about the Enneagram and digging deeper, I started having questions and thinking, maybe I'm not a three, <laughs> the more and more that I looked. Uh-huh. And I kind of really started with just the core motivation and fear for each type. Mm -hmm. And once I did that, it became very clear very quickly that I was a one. Um, And then ever since then, everything's kind of fallen into place as far as like my wings and where I go and stress and growth, it all just makes sense. Yeah, definitely. What is your wing? So I am a nine wing, which that was another thing for the longest time. I thought that I might be a nine Mm -hmm. just because I feel like it is my wing and nines I think are relatable to a lot of people in general because they're a very versatile type. Mm -hmm. And so there was a moment where I was like, okay, could I be a nine wing one instead of a one wing nine? And that's where it gets kind of confusing and gray. Um, But I think at the end of the day, people who know me really well have spoken into my life and said, Hannah, I'm pretty sure you're a one. (laughs) So I think that's, that's where I will stay. But yes, my wing is a nine. Okay. Awesome. We also love nines here. Yes. (laughs) So when you first were like, okay, I'm a one, what, what did, what happened? Like what went through your head? Were you like, great, I'm a one or, oh, I'm a one. (laughs) Um, I, I think at first I felt kind of called out, which I honestly feel like the Enneagram should call you out a little bit once you find your true type. Yeah. Um, Because ones kind of have this rep for being judgmental and very rigid and not really flexible and so at first I was like oh like I don't know if that's me I feel like I'm not exactly that way and I also feel like ones a lot are labeled as the perfectionist which I much prefer reformer because I really don't think that I am a true perfectionist I can see when it comes out Um, but yeah my first thoughts were a little bit of feeling called out, but I also think ones have a lot of positive qualities. Oh yeah. Um, And like I said, the more and more I learned about it, the more it just fits. So the good and the bad, it's just what I am. Whether you like it or not, this is who we are. (laughs) It's it's the truth. So I love it. Oh yeah, completely. I always um, heard when I was starting to learn about the Enneagram was like, you know, you found your type when you kind of are reading the book or the book across the room, because it like really calls you out and you're like I cannot give you permission to come inside of my brain like that and I felt that way when I discovered mine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so diving into kind of the tough part of it initially um when it comes to conflict how do you react okay so I feel like when it comes to conflict 
I feel like I'm a one on the inside. Like my internal reaction is very much that of a one to where I have very strong opinions about what's right and what's wrong. And I can get really worked up about it. But I feel like when it comes to my external reaction, that's when I lean a lot into my nine wing. (laughs) I don't like conflict very much. I tend to avoid it. So I feel like I really have to evaluate whether a conflict is worth having. Like if I feel Mm -hmm. strongly enough about it and it's something that I'm passionate about and I'm like, no, like this needs to be corrected or this needs to be talked about and worked through, then I'll do it. (laughs) But if it's something where I'm like, "Eh, like this isn't as much of a big deal to me. I feel like that happens a lot at my workplace as a teacher Um, with other teachers. There's little things where I'm like, I have an opinion, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. So I tend to kind of just step back and listen. And then if I feel really strongly, I'll, I'll jump in. I think that's a good balance of conflict. Like knowing when it's worth it. What, what's the phrase? Like a hill to die on or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're ready to go to bat for that, or if you can just take a step back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's definitely something that I've learned how to do because I feel like at first as a one, we have this fear of other people seeing us as bad or seeing us as not good. And so I feel like initially when I was first learning how to work through conflict, I would avoid any type of conflict because it made me feel less than, or it made me feel like the person who was having conflict with me saw me as less than. Um, So it's definitely something that I've had to work through and not Mm -hmm. attach my identity to, but it's been hard. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Love it. I love hearing about the conflicts. I feel like that it's so different across the board for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's like starting with the eights <laughs> and you know, they do conflict and then immediately going around. It's just, it's just so interesting. I love seeing how things connect like that. Big picture. Um, so being a one, what's quarantine been like for you? Do you like this environment? Are you ready for structure? Do you already have structure? Tell us about it. So I definitely have had to create my own structure. (laughs) Um, I do thrive when I'm on more of a schedule um, and my days are more predictable. So in this scenario where I really don't have as much of a tight schedule as I do, like when school was actually going on, I've had to kind of just make it for myself. So I got myself a digital planner and I had a consistent time every morning when I did like my quiet time, a consistent workout time, consistent work hours that I made for myself. And so I feel like doing that has allowed quarantine to be more of a positive experience. I feel like if I just kind of was all over the place, it would have been a lot more stressful for me, but it's honestly been pretty good. And as far as like, I'm a newlywed and I've only been married for about a year. And so honestly, like the past, I guess, five months of our marriage, we've been in quarantine together. And so I didn't know how that was going to go, but we've, we've done pretty well. We've had very little conflict truly. So that's good. Pretty good. Love that. What's your husband's Enneagram type? He's a five. Oh, girl. Yes. We'll talk about what it's like to be a fives. <laughs> yes. We love fives. <laughs> we love them most of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, this is true. <laughs> I've seen that for both of your, both of your, mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. five, five. They're so helpful sometimes. 
mm-hmm. and they let me be helpful. They're helpful. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's for the twos. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Megan, do you want to jump in? Got yeah. Anything? Okay. So as far as like y'all aren't having conflict, being in quarantine together, which praise the Lord, man, I feel like all of us being together in one house for forever is just like asking for like all of us to have our own bedrooms by the end of this. Um, but how do you like to give and receive love? So I, I think my love languages are acts of service and quality time are my top two. But I think something that's really valuable about the Enneagram is that I've learned for each of my people in my life, how to give love to them specifically based on not only their Enneagram type, but also their love languages. So for example, words of affirmation is not my natural thing because honestly, it's not my favorite way to receive love. I like it, but it kind of makes me feel like I don't know what to do or how to respond when somebody is giving me words of affirmation. But for example, my husband and my sister and a lot of my best friends, that's one of their big love languages. So I've had to learn to give that, even though that's not exactly how I receive love. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, we've, we've definitely learned that too in the first year of marriage. Cause my husband, I think is words of affirmation and physical touch and I'm acts of service and quality time. So we've kind of had to learn how to give the love that each other needs to receive. Yeah. So what is something that you wish everyone else knew about your type? So I think I kind of went into this when I was talking about the, like the perfectionist, but at first when I went from, okay, I'm not a three, I'm a one. And then I saw all of these like Instagram posts and blog posts and all of these things about the type one and everything was just very much like they're a perfectionist. They have to have things a certain way. Um, They're very rigid. They don't like to be spontaneous or have fun. Everything has to be very planned out. And for me, that's not 100% true. I definitely lean in that direction. But I would say um, not everyone is just this picture of like a perfectionist. Just because our desire is to be good doesn't mean that our desire is that everything is perfect and everything is in line. Um, One more thing about ones is that it was really cool for me to learn that not everybody has such a harsh inner critic like I do. I didn't know that that was not something that everybody experienced. And so I think for anybody listening for ones in your life, if you feel like they have moments of being a little bit judgmental, just know that the judgment in their head against themselves is like a hundred times more. Mm. (laughs) And so sometimes it spills out. Um, But yeah, ones are like very, very critical of themselves and like their biggest critic. And so I just feel like that's been valuable for people in my life to know about me (laughs) and to love on me because I do that to myself. And also when my like judgmental side does come out, they kind of understand a little bit more where, where that comes from. Yeah, I think it's cool. Um, So my mom is a one um, and I was always so frustrated with her growing up because I'm a four. So I'm like, let's just float around in the emotions half the time. (laughs) (laughs) 
Float around. Float around. That was the word. I, <laughs> I love it. So bad. I, like growing up, my mom was like, let's get all these things done. And like in my head, I was like, she's trying to make me perfect. She's trying to like conform me to this like ideal thing that she wants. And so then I was like even more resistant to it, especially in like middle school and early high school. Um, and then like coming to find the Enneagram and like maturing just in general, um, was like coming to find, she wasn't trying to make me perfect. She was like trying to do good in like raising me and communicating with me and just her way. Of, and so like, yeah, that harsh inner critic, like that runs in, in one's head since it was running in her head. Um, and that's not the case for me. And so that was just like very helpful to understand and like really kind of process that um, after being like 20 and being like, oh, my mom wasn't just like nagging me my whole life actually mm-hmm. trying to be helpful. Um, it's really, it's, and that's, I told, so at the, at the beginning, we do like a little intro of just like some basic information about each type. Um, and I could not remember what they were like the reformer. I remember that name. And so I wrote down the perfectionist and I was like, this is a lot of times they're called the perfectionist, but I know ones don't like being called the perfectionist. Um, <laughs> I cannot remember the other name. Um, but yeah, the perfectionist, not like a lot of times. And I kind of see that like as on social media, it can sound really almost negative. And you're like, no, they're trying to do good. Like it's not a negative, like they're not just a rigid person mm-hmm. uh, trying to do good. So yeah, I like that. I want to talk about the inner critic. And I'm so sorry, this is not on our list because it's generalized for types across the board. Um, I think the inner critic is so interesting. Like as a two, I do have an inner critic when I go more towards one and you just sit there and it's like in your head, it's like, oh, you should have said this. You could have done this. Now they're feeling this. And like, it's so much to listen to. And you're like, stop talking. <laughs> so how do you handle your inner critic when you get into those zones? It's honestly, it's been a lifelong struggle. And sure. that's why like the Enneagram has been so powerful. Cause I'm like, oh, like there's, there's a reason why I've been experiencing this and I'm not the only one who experiences it. But I think over the years, what I've learned to do is really lean into truth, whether that's um, reading my Bible, whether that's listening to um, a podcast, whether that's talking to friends, talking to my husband, talking to people who know and love me. And I think over the years, I've also learned, especially with people that I'm close to, Um, if I'm feeling that anxiety of like, oh no, like they're upset with me because of X, Y, and Z. If it's somebody that I love and I'm close to, I'll just go to them and be like, Hey, um, I'm feeling like what I said might've upset you. Like, are you okay? Like, did I do that? And most of the time they're like, no, like that's, that's all in your head. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I, I build it up and build it up and build it up. And something else I've heard is, um, when you have those kind of thoughts to ask yourself the question, like who told you that? Because a lot of times like you literally just make it up in your head. And so when I say like, who told me that? Like, did God tell me that? Did a friend tell me that? Like, no, (laughs) I told me that. And so most of the time it's just, it's not true, but it, it's definitely something that's when it's inside of yourself, it's like, how do you 
fight with yourself almost like I'm with myself all the time. And so it can be exhausting to not be able to get away from that inner critic sometimes, but just kind of have to learn how to speak against all of that. I love that. Who told you that? I'm going to, okay. Filing that away in here. (laughs) So my mom actually sent me like someone tweeted that yesterday. It may have been Lisa Turkhurst. She angel love her (laughs) and was like, my therapist says, to like use this of like who told you that because I have anxiety and so I kind of have that like same internal of like I've offended them they're mad at me like blah blah Mm -hmm. Uh, and I saw that and I was like that would be really helpful to like kind of help differentiate between the lies in your head yes uh, like versus finding God's truth I really like that that's what I learned in counseling. I'm a catastrophizer. So like I have a scenario and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just destroyed this person's happiness forever. Mm-hmm. And then she like, <laughs> Megan's laughing because she knows it's true. Um, she, so my counselor gave me this worksheet and she's like, okay, list out what's true, what could be true and what's not true to kind of work out those thoughts. But oh my gosh, I'm so glad you said this because I, there was literally a scenario with my fiance where we're in the car and I sent a text that wasn't risky at all in response to something and I could not let it go. I He's like, if you text her, I'm going to be upset with you. I'm like, I, I got to do it. And so I texted her an apology for something I said. And she was like, what are you talking about? Nothing's wrong. And I'm like, wait, really? Yep. <laughs> and then I was like, wow, okay. I, I got to figure out how to control that inner critic. Oh my gosh, it can be so loud sometimes for no reason. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I'm shook. Yeah, I even see that like for me and Hannah, like me and Hannah grew up together with another friend named Abby. Um, and I definitely, there were definitely times like going over to the barn or being at your house um, that we were like, are all these things, like, do we believe all of these things? Um, and Abby is always so just like, she's got such a clear head. And so she's like, no, that's not what's happening here. Like she was so oh, helpful. To have that trait would be mm-hmm. the best thing in the world. Know her Enneagram type. I was just about to say, I don't know her Enneagram either. I'm <laughs> be interested to thing. ask her. Find that out for yeah, sure. Together our whole child. <laughs> okay well good to know for all those with an inner critic please make note of everything Hannah has said um so on a different end of the spectrum obviously we're not a huge fan of the inner critic no one is um but what is your favorite thing about being a one um I feel like ones are very consistent people and I like to think that I am Uh, I feel like they're very consistent for the people in their lives and they if they say that they're going to do something then they do it if they say they're going to be somewhere then they're there um I also feel like ones even though I I think ones and eights have this similarity in some way I feel like we express it differently but I feel like ones definitely stand up for what they believe in what they think is right and they'll stand up for the underdog or somebody who needs help Um, we might not be as bold about it as type eight but I feel like that's also a trait of ones as well I think that's my favorite trait about ones Mm because I feel like ones can identify the underdog and it's almost like taking them under your wing 
you know, mm-hmm. you, you just want to make sure that no one messes with this person because they are precious and deserve to be respected. I love that, especially in female ones. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's really funny because I don't really know, like personally know any other ones. And so I really want to make some friends who are ones because I don't have any in my life. So I feel like I'm only speaking from like my personal experience, but I have connected with some ones like over Instagram, over the internet, and they're awesome. Um, And so it's been cool to talk to them, but I don't have any like one friends in real life. We have noticed this each week, Megan. No one is friends with their own type. Nope. This is the third time now that, oh my gosh, we got to add that to the list of questions. (laughs) That's really funny. I think the only person like, like we're interviewing two threes together and they're friends. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm friends with a four, but yeah, no, no one else is friends with their own type. I think it's because like, like they bother each other sometimes. <laughs> like, it's just too much. Uh, why are you exactly like me? You're driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. I, me and Megan both know a two and I was like, Megan, let's bring them both in and just have three twos in the conversation. (laughs) Exhausting. (laughs) As a two, I can say that. Okay. So coming to the end, is there anything else that like really stands out about the Enneagram being a type one, being a female one? Dating a one. So, yeah. So something that I've gotten more into recently, because I feel like the Enneagram, there's just like endless layers of knowledge. And so you just keep like going deeper and deeper. And something that I've been learning about recently is where different types go in seasons of growth and seasons of stress. And so when I realized that I, as a one, go to a type four in stress, I like my mind was just blown. It was like everything in my life made sense. Like every season where I was just really down in my life made perfect sense. And then also the fact that I go to a seven in growth is something that I've really been grappling with because the sevens in my life are very much not like myself. And so (laughs) I had this moment where I was like, have I just like never been in a season of growth? Like, where is my seven? Like, it's just not there. And so I think I'm still kind of learning like what that looks like for me and accepting that I'm not going to look exactly like the people in my lives who are sevens. And that doesn't mean that I'm not growing. So just trying to figure out where those qualities are coming into play for me. Okay. Okay, I'm going to jump out of the questions that we had laid out because that was one of the things was I mentioned to Laura, like, oh yeah, the one goes to seven in health. And she was like, what? Like, I was very not, shocked. Yeah, it's not like a lot of the other like moving health and stress points are like, they make sense. But the one to the seven, you're like, that. Oh my God. Oh, like, okay. So you said you're growing in that area of like understanding. What does that look like for you right now? So I, I have a best friend who is a seven and she is like the epitome of like adventure, spontaneous, upbeat, outgoing, all of the seven things. And I am very much not, but excuse me, 
what I've realized is that when I am in a season of growth, I do really enjoy new experiences and I do really enjoy, um, I feel like another quality of sevens is like, they're very generous. At least the sevens in my life are very generous people. And so, um, something that I really enjoy is being generous and being able to bless people in my life with whatever it may be with experiences, um, or just like little tokens of how much I appreciate them. So, um, I feel like I'm trying to grow in my spontaneity and in my generosity and being a little bit more go with the flow because ones can definitely be a little bit structured. Um, so that's, that's what that looks like for me right now, but I'm also working on just fighting the comparison game and not Mm -hmm. comparing myself, um, to the sevens in my life. My dad is also a seven. Um, so just knowing that I'm not going to look exactly like them and that's okay. I can see that out of your dad so much. I love that. Yeah, he's a, he's a big seven. <laughs> I want to be a seven so bad. <laughs> I love sevens. Just like you, everybody loves them. Everyone just wants to be around them. And then, of course, when you have an inner critic, it's like, well, why don't people want to be around me? <laughs> what am I doing wrong? <laughs> yeah, sevens are sevens are a blast. I yeah. I don't understand the way that like their brain works or the way they live their life at all. But I love having them in my life. Yes. I have a couple very wonderful people that are sevens and I just love them. They're so funny. Love it. Love it. Love it. I used to work with a seven and she was my work wife. And so it was just a fun balance between me and her. Um, but Okay. I'm going back to the question of the advice because I selfishly want to talk about what it's like for you being a one married to a five. (laughs) I want to hear about this. Yes, let's do it. So um, what I have learned about my husband in the past year as him being a five and me being a one is that he, much like a lot of men, I think, is very much a fixer. So if I come to him with a problem, he wants to rationalize it and reason it out. And he believes that that is him helping me and Mm -hmm. um, solving the problem. And I understand where he's coming from, but we've gotten to a point where sometimes he'll literally ask me, he's like, okay, like, do you want me to bring a solution to this situation? Or do you just want me to listen to you and like validate your feelings? And so we've gotten to that point where he's like, okay, what mode am I in? And am I a fixer right now? Or am I just a listener? Um, So that's been, that's been fun. Um, And then also he just, he blows my mind with just like everything that he knows. Like he just stores it all away. And we, when we first started dating, he's, he's really, really into sports. And you could talk about like any year. When do you want a double date? Let me know. (laughs) For real, for real. Like you could throw out, be like, who won the Super Bowl in like, 1967 and he could just tell you exactly who it was like he can go in order he can tell you anything and so he's just so fun like you know the best like trivia buddy the best buddy because he just he knows all of the things and especially things that he's passionate about he's just like always listening always learning which blows my mind because I'm not exactly like that I'm like when I relax I want to just like turn my brain off and relax, but he wants to continue to learn and continue to know all of the things. So he's a blast. 
I love it. Fives are a special breed and I adore them with every ounce of my being. (laughs) We haven't gotten to fives, of course, but oh my gosh, seriously, we'll go to Pluckers. We'll do Wednesday night trivia. The four of us, Megan, come on, let's go make it five. And yeah, anytime there's a category that's like math, science, sports, I give it to Alex. I'm like, here you go. That's all you, boo. I'll do the pop culture. (laughs) Things that really matter. (laughs) That's so fun. I feel like they would be friends. Oh, 100%. Fives crack me up. I don't know how. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I think it's so important with the Enneagram. Like, who was it? I think Enneagram and coffee will do posts that it's like, oh, who's the most compatible? And then the next page is like, everybody's compatible. You know, Mm -hmm. like you don't have to be. It's not like um, an Aries and a Cancer, right? It's not that kind of thing. If you are a human being you can be compatible with this human being if you're healthy, mm-hmm. which I love about the Enneagram. Cause it, it, everyone, I mean, I've made the search, how are twos with fives? And it's just, it's like, okay, no, it's fine. You, you don't need to be doing that research. <laughs> yeah. I get that question a lot. They're like, my boyfriend's a six and I'm a five. Like, how does our relationship work? And I'm like, not much different than any relationship, really. <laughs> it's just, it's fun to learn like how to, love on them and how to bless them and kind of how their brain works but yeah any any type works with any type so I think the only one that I always hear is like interesting is like um so I listened to the typology podcast with Ian Cron he wrote the road back to you um and he like Shauna Nequist is an author and she I think she's a seven and her husband a four and they're like what's that look like? Because that's like the, those are the one big deferring type. That one is like super bubbly and super fun all the time. And they avoid pain. And then the four is like, I can sit in my pain and it's a great. (laughs) And so I'm like, that's just complete opposites, but everyone else I'm like, let's go for it. It's fine. Yeah. You just have to learn, like Hannah said, how to love each other. And that's the point. I mean, with love languages, with all of this, the goal is to be healthy for yourself first and then your partner so that they know how to love on you. I love it. I love it. We, we need to get couples on here. I'm making a mental note to do that next. Is that to, would be fun. Is yeah. to bring couples on and talk about how they're balanced with their types. Well, this has been super fun. Megan, do you have anything to add? Hannah, do you have anything to add? I don't think so. This has been super fun, super informative. Love it. Love talking to ones. Well, Hannah, it was so great. This is our first time talking, so it's so nice to meet you. Um, If you aren't already, make sure you're following Hannah's Instagram. Hannah, would you like to, where can we find you? Um, So on Instagram, it's, lettered by Han with an underscore and that's where you can find me I've got a lot of fun Enneagram posts and posts about Jesus and it's a great time over there yes we love it all right well thank you Hannah thank you Megan thank you Don't you just 
just love Hannah. She is so sweet and ones in general are just such great people to have on your team. And that can be said for any and all Enneagram types, but I have a special place in my heart for ones solely because I do wing one on occasion. Uh, but make sure you follow Hannah at Lettered by Hand. Her content is amazing and I love seeing it every day. Uh, and of course, Megan is phenomenal per usual with all of the content she's made for the series and her stuff on her own Instagram is just amazing. And we're very lucky to have the people on this podcast that we have on the show. So next week, we're bringing on my people, the Enneagram 2. I am so excited for you guys to hear just how I tick and how our guests tick. Because it's cool to see how each person that's the same type is actually different. We're not all the same, which we talked about in the intro. You can have all types of twos, ones, threes, whatever it may be. Um, but that's all I've got for you this week. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at p for podcasts and make sure to follow Megan at Confident Communicators. Thank you guys so much for listening and have a great rest of your week. <laughs>